Chapter 4 The sun beat down on Jerry and warmed him from the outside in as he crossed the campus. The golden-domed building named for Dr. James Belton, founder of the university, loomed in front of him. A regal statue of the university patriarch stood erect in front of the hall. According to tradition, all seniors were supposed to pose with him for a graduation photo. Of course, as a professor's kid, he'd already posed with the guy about a hundred times. Were other universities this quirky, or was it just Belton? Since he'd received a full tuition waiver due to his mom serving on the faculty, he hadn't applied anywhere else. He might have preferred a conservatory dedicated solely to the study of music, but his parents had insisted he receive a liberal arts education so he could be pre-med. The red brick building he and Victoria had christened the castle caught his eye. His pace slackened as he tarried to admire the four interconnected towers. The building housed the humanities where he'd taken several of his general education classes, English, foreign language, history, and religion. When had he lost the luxury to study a variety of subjects? Those days had passed so gradually he hadn't noticed his freedom slip away. Now science classes filled every aspect of his life, other than the few remaining music classes. He must have been crazy deciding to double major in biology and music, considering they didn't overlap at all. But he couldn't bring himself to give up the cello. Not yet. He glanced at his watch, which read 15 till 9, ample time to peek inside for old time's sake. He pushed through the door to the outside courtyard, enclosed by the four towers. A fragrant floral scent greeted him as he entered the secret garden. Green vines crept up the brick walls. Flower beds full of geraniums and daisies surrounded the walkway beside his favorite stone bench, which sat empty. He filled its void and placed his backpack at his side. His eyes closed, he breathed in the fresh air. I thought I might find you here. Jerry's eyes flew open to reveal Victoria's face leaning over his. She slid next to him, and the heat from her body warmed his arm. She brushed a stray hair from her face. Sometimes it's nice to get away from it all, he nodded. Definitely. A sweet sigh escaped her lips. I hope I can find a place like this at the conservatory next year. Jerry's insides twisted into a knot. From what Mom's told me about Johan, you'll need it. Concern clouded her eyes. What's that supposed to mean? He traced a music note in the dirt with his foot, avoiding her gaze. It's intense. You don't think I can handle it? I'm sure you can, but some people can't. Didn't. He swallowed. What are you talking about? He looked at her again, gazed into those dark chestnut eyes. Should he tell her? Or was she better off not knowing? His mouth opened to speak, but the bells in the tower chimed to announce the hour. Oh no, it's already nine, Victoria gasped. We're late. The two of them snatched their book bags and sprinted for the adjacent music building. Johann Sebastian Bach, the greatest composer of the Baroque era, spent his entire life dedicated to the musical craft. Mr. Bachev's thick accent reminded Victoria of the Russian masters Stravinsky and Tchaikovsky. Although subject to the whims of his patrons, the German composer's love for his art never subsided. What dedication! Victoria's eyes fixed on the picture of Bach displayed on the screen at the front of the classroom. Jerry nudged her. 
When do you think he'll make the announcement? No idea. She glanced at Adrian, who had cozied up next to the hipster on her right. Franklin Curtis. The hair on Victoria's arm prickled just looking at him in his fedora and skinny jeans. Her stand partner since freshman year, the two had battled for the leading position of their section in the formidable orchestra auditions every year. Victoria would win, then Franklin, then Victoria, then Franklin. Franklin flashed her a smile. She gritted her teeth. Their insufferable competition had continued for years, but this year, their senior year, she had to come out on top. She raised her chin. No one would take away her prized position as concertmaster. Mr. Bachev tapped his baton on the board. Victoria jolted to attention. The second picture of Bach featured him surrounded by at least a dozen children. What a nightmare to have so many kids. She could barely stand living with seven people running around her house, especially since Adrian moved back home this year. Ugh. The versatile composer maintained his prolific compositions in spite of his many duties as church organist, the demands of patrons, and a busy home life. The teacher paused to catch his breath. Hmm. Apparently Bach didn't enjoy the peaceful, distraction-free life she'd envisioned. No, he served his large family and his church, just like she did. Perhaps constant interruptions had frustrated him, too. Or was he more patient? Maybe he didn't lash out so often, the way she did. On a different note, the maestro said with bravado, I have an announcement. Victoria sat upright. Finally. <clears throat> Mr. Vachev cleared his throat. This year, Belton University will host the senior division of the concerto competition for the Midwestern Association of Music Schools. A low buzz swept through the class. The professor rapped on the podium. Those who would like to participate must prepare their entire concerto for the audition in April. The winner will receive the opportunity to perform their solo with the orchestra at our final concert in May. Victoria drew in a deep breath. She had always dreamed of performing a solo with the orchestra, like Professor Chang. Due to the generosity of several of our prominent donors, the winner will also receive a $20,000 scholarship to attend graduate school in music, as well as an optional graduate teaching position to accompany Belton's new Master of Music program, which we plan to launch next year. Mr. Vachev pointed to the information on the screen. Was this a dream? Victoria had finally found a way to fund her own graduate school, conservatory education. She wouldn't have to borrow the money from mom and dad, but would she have time to prepare a whole multi-movement concerto along with all of the conservatory audition music requirements she already had to practice? And could the scholarship be used for Johann Conservatory? She had no interest in staying at Belton for a master's degree and serving as a teaching assistant. She'd never have the patience for that. Better ask Professor Chang for details at her next lesson. Please sign up no later than our fall concert, October 31st, so that I know how many students will participate. The professor turned off the computer. Class dismissed. Victoria frowned. If she'd known this sooner, she could have practiced the concerto all summer, in addition to the audition music. Her heartbeat quickened. So much to consider, and very little time. Victoria struggled to rein in her thoughts as she drove home from the class. The image of herself as the soloist in front of thousands of people played through her mind on repeat. This was the chance of a lifetime, the culmination of her hard work. Her foot pressed the pedal, 
and the car accelerated to keep pace with her racing thoughts. On one hand, performing as the soloist had been her dream since childhood. Six-year-old Victoria had held her mother's hand in the beautiful orchestra hall as a younger Professor Cheng played a vibrant concerto. Victoria couldn't recall which one. The stunning shimmer of her red gown, the emotive slow section, the invigorating finale, all of these had planted a seed of desire deep inside little Victoria that some day she hoped would come to fruition. Was that day fast approaching? Tension crept down her neck, and she cocked her head to each side to release it. She wasn't ready. She needed to focus on her graduate school audition material. Those dreadful quadruple stop chords in the Bach partita ate up all her practice time. And oh, she'd almost forgotten she'd promised to write that hymn arrangement for church this weekend. How on earth did Bach ever manage to get anything done with all his performance, composing, church, and family obligations? When she entered the living room, she set down her backpack next to the baby grand piano and rummaged for a sheet of staff paper and a pencil. Best to cross at least one thing off her lengthy to-do list, she situated herself on the piano bench and stared at the instrument. The cold ivory keys offered little inspiration. Her eyes drifted to the periwinkle curtains draped over the bay window, then to the wooden bookshelf stuffed with music scores. Each shelf bore a label, soprano arias, piano sonatas, beginner's piano, etc. Her mother's extensive collection filled the six-foot shelf from top to bottom. No wonder Belton had invited Mom to become an adjunct faculty member a few years ago. Now she served as the primary accompanist, as well as a voice and piano teacher. The blank staff paper on the piano mocked Victoria. Writer's block... This hymn arrangement proved to be more difficult than she'd expected, especially now that she had more important issues to consider, like the concerto competition. She reached for the well-worn family hymnal to sing and play Chief of Sinners. As she had never considered vocals her forte, she cringed at the sound of her own voice. The necessity to sing and play at the same time heightened the level of difficulty, and her fingers struggled to reach the cumbersome chords on the piano. Do you need some help? The familiar voice spoke behind her. Victoria turned to see her mother in a light pink sundress tailored at the waist, golden blonde hair hanging loosely over her shoulders. Her warm eyes twinkled at Victoria. Yes, Victoria sighed. I need to write a quartet arrangement for this hymn, but... She gestured at the blank page. Mom placed a hand on her shoulder. I'll play the piano and you grab your violin. Victoria stood, and Mom took her place at the instrument. She ran her hands over the keys in a swift scale and situated her feet on the pedals. A few notes of introduction gave Victoria the cue she needed for the opening. The melody soared from her instrument like a prayer rising to heaven, simple yet subtle. Her muscles unwound as she settled into the verse, her fingers dancing on the familiar fingerboard. What a contrast to Victoria's awkwardness at the piano. After the first verse, Mom stopped. This time, I'll sing the melody, and you improvise. Improvise. Like Adrian and Marie the other night? Victoria's stomach tightened. She closed her eyes and took a deep breath. Mom's sweet, silvery voice filled the room, inviting Victoria to join her. This time, the notes didn't come from the page, but from somewhere deep within. 
The music led her as if by divine inspiration. She gave in to her muse and let the instrument be her voice. At the conclusion, Victoria opened her eyes to see Mom looking at her. Beautiful. You should play it just like that tomorrow. I hope I can remember what I did. I need to transcribe it before I forget. Mom rose to her feet. I'll leave you to it. Lightheaded with the exhilaration of the previous run-through, excitement pulsed through Victoria's veins as she grabbed the staff paper. But as she reached for the pencil, her inspiration faded. What had she played first? A quarter note? An eighth note? She played the opening line again. Eighth note. She rushed to copy it on paper before it faded away again. Et voilà! Adrian's voice pierced the room. No, she couldn't lose her train of thought now. But Victoria's eyes drifted from the page to Adrian, who stood in the entryway, accompanied by their youngest sister. What do you think of my dance costume? Twelve-year-old Stella twirled around in a white bodiced leotard with pink sequins, a fluffy tutu, and ballet slippers. Her bright blonde hair was pinned back in a thick bun. Adrian sewed the finishing touches for me. Victoria put down her pencil. Stunning. Stella danced on tiptoe to the piano and spread her tutu over the bench. What are you doing? Victoria frowned. I need to practice piano before my piano concert tonight. Stella stretched out her palms in front of her. Blood rushed to Victoria's face as she clutched her sheet music. But I'm working on the hymn arrangement for tomorrow. Adrian strode to an easel next to one of the plush armchairs. Can't you finish it in your room? Her eyes scanned the painting in front of her. You don't need the piano. Victoria glared at both of them and scooped up the violin and writing supplies. The idea of moving away from this madhouse to New York was becoming more appealing by the minute. She trudged upstairs and slumped into the wooden chair at her mahogany desk. By now, the staff held lifeless notes on a page instead of the inspirational descant she'd played earlier. Perhaps she could refresh her memory. She placed the bow on the strings. Joyful, joyful, we adore thee. Stella's captivating soprano rang through the house, accompanied by a piano part that sounded anything but joyful. Pulse racing, Victoria pounded her desk with her fist. She couldn't get anything done in this crazy house. Maybe next year she'd finally enjoy some peace and quiet away from her family. Victoria poked her head out of the bedroom door, which opened onto the landing overlooking the living room. By now, Mom stood hunched over the piano. I don't think that was quite right, Stella dear. Try again. The same clunky chords accosted Victoria's ears. She cringed and strode to the banister. Still not right, Stella, she yelled. How had her mother put up with beginner piano students for so many years? This was driving her crazy. She'd never make a good music teacher. That's why she was moving to New York, to be a performer and to get away from here. A couple of hours later, Victoria breathed a sigh of relief. She'd finished transcribing the hymn. Time for a run-through. She picked up her violin to play the opening verse. The words rang in her head. Chief of sinners though I be, Jesus shed his blood for me. As the branches to the vine, I am his and he is mine. As the descant of the second verse returned to her fingers, an urge to pray welled up inside her. 
Dear God, I'm not gifted with words, but help me to have patience with my sisters. At the close, she lowered the violin to her side, eyes shut for a moment as the notes died away. Magnifique! Victoria opened her eyes to find Adrian next to her, hands clasped to her chest. When had she come in? Victoria smiled. I'm glad you liked it. It was perfect. That's exactly how I envisioned my part. Confused, Victoria took a step away from her. Your part? Well, yes. As the first violinist, won't you play the melody and I'll play the ornamental part? Victoria's brow furrowed. In the excitement of composing, she'd forgotten Adrian wanted the new part. Victoria held up her violin. Uh, the highest instrument plays the descant. Adrian shrugged. That part wasn't very high. It fits within the viola's range. Victoria snatched her manuscript and brushed past her sister, heart pounding. She needed some air, a chance to breathe. Adrian wanted to play the beautiful descant, her creation, and the rest of the quartet would probably have to play from the hymnal. It wasn't fair. Jerry clambered with his cello up the three flights of stairs to his parents' apartment. Why he'd agreed to still live with them during college was beyond even his own comprehension. It's only temporary, Mom had insisted. Your father and I will be moving back to New York as soon as we secure jobs there. Then you can have this whole place to yourself. Maybe you could rent out a couple of rooms to your friends to make extra money. No need to stay in those filthy dorms. She'd said that at the beginning of his freshman year. Now, three years later, he was a senior in college, still living with his parents. Not exactly a chick magnet. He turned the knob to the front door and walked inside. Red and gold curtains hung at the windows, while antique figurines, most of them from his grandmother, whom he visited in China every other summer, adorned the bookshelves. On the off years, she came to the States to visit them. I wish you could move to the U.S., Mama, his mother had urged when Grandma left at the beginning of August. You would love New York. I'm so glad you sent me there to study music. No, Lee Quinn, Grandma said. I must return to China. It's where I was born, and you, and Margaret. Her eyes clouded. I have no desire to visit New York. Jerry didn't blame her. He didn't want to go there either. Why did that city hold such sway over his mother, especially after what happened? And now she'd convinced Victoria of its charms, too. His heart sank. He'd lost his chance to date her. She was bound for the conservatory, and he for medical school. Maybe with the new scholarship position at Belton, he could convince his parents to change their minds and allow him to pursue music instead. Jerry, good, you're home, his mother called from the kitchen. I need you to finish making the dinner. He entered the kitchen where everything had been remodeled over the past year. They'd spent too many nights eating carry-out on the couch, since it took forever to install the appliances. Unlike Grandma, Mom had never developed an interest in cooking. I have a concert in Chicago next week, and I must start practicing, she stirred the chicken on the stove. I'm playing the Sibelius Concerto, and you know how difficult it is. Yes, she was always practicing while Dad was at the hospital, leaving him to cook and clean while studying to keep up with his double major. Okay. He pulled an onion from the fridge, diced it, and threw it into the wok. The scent of spices, chicken, and vegetables filled the air like an aromatic symphony. He took a deep breath. Mom, Mr. Vachev mentioned the concerto competition to us in class today. 
I thought I might audition. She stopped stirring the chicken and held up the spoon. Jerry Chang, you don't have time to prepare for a concerto competition. You'll be visiting medical schools in the spring, and you can't let your grades slip. The ones on the East Coast won't accept students from a liberal arts Midwestern university unless you're at the top of your class. You must stay focused. She handed him the spoon. Now finish up here. Dad has to work late again, but save food for him. She bustled out of the room. He sighed. So much for a smooth conversation.